Welcome to the Grace World Podcast. I'm Dan Hewitt. And I'm Becky, his wife. This is episode 68. Greetings, everybody. Hey there. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm delightful. So, hey, let's just jump right into our episode. Okay, like I, we do every week. Dan we has something on his mind. He is ready to go. Well, we have a thought, an additional thought. So a couple of weeks ago, we talked about what is church. And I was thinking today on what is the form of church. And actually, I'm going to ask you, which, which way does your church face? And I had four ideas of thoughts of how churches face. And I think the most common probably that you see is I'm going to call it facing forward. And this is a problem. No. You just said the most common problem. Did I say problem? You did. I said I said form. Oh, I heard problem. Well, let's make sure I say that. The most Most common common form form is probably forward facing. So that would be the congregation. And this obviously everybody you're. Well, I guess your congregation doesn't always face forward. You can be in a circle. so. But there is a focal point. That's right, what you're a saying. There's point. a frontal, there's somebody in the front or somebody's, right. sometimes on a stage, sometimes not, but somebody because you they have something to say. So right. they're the speaker, they're the person presenting whatever. So there is something that everybody needs to be able right. to see that person and hear that person and the frontal person you needs bet. to be... Right. And in fact, as we go through these, the whole point of this is not, is one of them the good one and is one of them the bad one, or I guess three of them the bad one. I have four. (laughs) But rather, they again, they're going to vary by time, by need, by location. That's kind of my favorite thing, huh? We don't always need to be the same all our life, and we may need some different things. So let's talk about the forward-facing church. Okay. So the forward-facing church is a traditional, the pastor gives a message. Uh, We focus on that. You have some songs, and maybe you have a choir up front, too. So there's a lot of that kind of thing of forward focus. I would say this is traditional, liturgical, fundamental, almost Western churches in the Christian faith. Probably. Which is what we're talking about. Yep. Have this form, right? Yep. And people say church, this is what they think of. Probably, yeah. And so what I'm going to do is talk about some other ideas. And then let's kind of poke around at those ideas. So if we have a forward-facing church, I think even within those traditional churches, sometimes we might have what I would throw on there is uh, the rearward-facing church. And what I think the rearward-facing church is is... If we took that forward one, we still have the staff and the larger, uh, call it administration stuff, Mm -hmm. but the church builds a lot of stuff to minister to the people's, and I'm not saying obviously preaching is not, is ministering. There is a, is a ministerial aspect and that is part of what church is, Mm -hmm. but you might get an organization like we've gone to a church like this where, and it actually had varied over time how it did it. Then you have a staff of counselors of some other things. So basically staff is built up to minister to the people, uh, marriage counseling, personal counseling. Um, they're helping to develop uh, various things that minister to people. Discipleship. And so it's more ministry. So that's more focused rearward. So I think that's a good way. 
So. Just so I'm, I'm clear, mm-hmm. by rearward, you just mean there's people behind the scenes that are also doing things in right. the church or the that staff aren't the focal is, point. Yeah, the staff is focusing on how they can build up and minister to the people more. And there's more staff to focus towards those people. Towards the people in the church. In the church, yeah. Okay. So, remember, I just thought of this stuff today, so it's not entirely well thought through. That's what I'm here for, we're, love, to help you. I, welcome <laughs> to Experimental Theology, clear. Volume 68. Maybe that's what this should be called, because <laughs> we all know that's what this really is. Neither of us have a theology degree. We are just trying to experience life as we see it. Yes. And my guess is if you have a theology degree, you've probably changed a little. So, hey. And probably aren't listening to this podcast. So. Who knows? Yes. So, anyways. So, we got a forward and a rearward we're facing. And so, now we have the next two would be, it's not left and right. It's inward and outward facing. Mm-hmm. So, what would an inward facing church be? And I think, to me, that's, hey, I mentioned a circle earlier. Mm-hmm. And that's where probably we get the church focuses on how do we as a group are more focused on developing each other. Mm-hmm. So that might be one where you see a lot more of the gifts uh, being exercised within a group of prophecy and the words of encouragement, words of knowledge. Um, typically, that's going to be probably more in a smaller group setting. Mm-hmm. I don't think that functions well in a large group. I mean, you can do it probably, but that's probably more logistically difficult to have a thousand-person church where everybody's, well, Maybe. Hey, tell me, let me know if you've seen it. That would be great. And then what would an outward facing church? I think that's our classic. uh, The focus of the church is on evangelism Mm -hmm. going out or even into the community. So if you're more, uh, well, we use the word social justice minded or community oriented or missions or even evangelism, Outreach. Mm -hmm. outreach, any of those. So basically the purpose of your church or the focus is how do we go out and impact people outside the church? And I think your church will vary at any time between, and it may have little bits of everything. I was going to suggest that, that <laughs> probably that we've been at churches where they try to incorporate all of those things, right. specifically the last church that we were at <clears throat> for many years. They had mm-hmm. like those four spokes of a wheel and they talked about those four things and, and how this big church could do all of those right. things which is an interesting concept to think that anyway yeah well those are and these are interesting questions because i guess the question is can a church do all of those things it depends on yeah i guess it depends <laughs> what do you think it depends on well one it depends on what's the focus in the heart of that church at the time because they probably Although it depends. I think a strong, a good administration can uh, delegate and help to make lots of different things happen simultaneously. So this is where good leader, you know, sometimes we talk about the church structure and a lot of it can be seem negative. Oh, we have a structure. There's these people and there's pastors and there's a board and there's all these people up there. And in some cases that can be negative, but in other cases, if they're effective, and they're doing their job well, they can be basically encouraging different things within the church and helping and train or bring along people at different places so that you could do a lot of different things 
at once. Yeah. Well, do you think the early Christians had some organization? Probably. I mean, I think one, obviously once they grow, they If you believe the Bible, then yes. If you look in the book of Acts and all the epistles, they definitely. Right. They started having elders and deacons. Oh, they started right out of the gate trying to help not not any one apostle could do it all mm-hmm. and so they excuse, excuse me sorry <clears throat> I was out in the garden Bless earlier you. it's easy um, not any one uh, person could do the work of it all that's why they made deacons that would go and help distribute food and make sure the widows were taken care of and whatever so yeah there's a little piece of organization there, and then you get into all of the different ministries, like the fivefold ministry or the different spiritual gifts that people had, and the whole point of the body working together. That's organization, mm-hmm. and that's some um, you know, whenever you have two or more people trying to work on something together, both people can't do it all. Yeah. That because well for one thing we're not designed that way, but also you it doesn't build community that way. Mhm. If community and relationship are at the core of being together with other people, you have to learn to work together. You have to learn to mm-hmm. um maybe you are good at something and somebody else is good at it too and you both can share the load and actually do some of the work together and learn from each other and grow in that way too. So the organization itself isn't necessarily bad. No, um, or but there's bad organizations, but organization is not bad. People have clearly so done that, poor jobs. I mean, obviously that's it. what you're talking about with yeah. the four kinds of four ways to look at church or if a church, I'm intrigued by should a church do all things because uh i mean you may think you're doing all things but if you look at how many churches there are how many denominations there are how many different mm-hmm. subgroups of each denomination nobody's doing it all perfectly mm-hmm. or we wouldn't have so many no it there's room for and need for churches to have their heart their understanding and if you get into the supernatural realm perhaps every church has their own angel or angels that is the messenger to that church that gives them the will of god for that church that group of people so if it's a small group of people perhaps it's easier to understand what that group of people is about if it's a bigger group of people you you got a lot of opinions and a lot of people saying i need this or i need that so maybe a bigger group of people needs to have four spokes of the wheel so they can meet all of the needs of all of their people. Right. But still, they've got a a feel, a flavor, a way that they yeah. talk about God, you know. Um, you know, in fact, they're kind of like really a large church. Remember you said last couple of weeks ago, you talked about our church is so small, we can't have a click yet. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of thinking, it's like, you know, I guess part of what you're doing when you have a larger church is you're really managing sub-churches mm-hmm. within it. Because each ministry, each small group, each whatever essentially is 
a sub church, Mm -hmm. you know, within it. And so what it is, it's really kind of the super church coordinating and moving resources, people, ideas, and thoughts and coordination between those smaller groups. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I'm not a, like, sometimes we can think, oh, mega churches are bad or small churches are bad or big churches are this or small, you know, whatever. And it's like, well, they all have their place if they're functioning correctly they're all good and so the question is is are you functioning correctly as your church in its appropriate size (laughs) yeah it can be i I think Mm -hmm. the reason that big churches get a bad rap is because they're more exposed to uh their flaws Mm -hmm. a lot in many cases a big church is a big church because of one person right. and the charisma of one person or the spirit of God or both. Mm-hmm. And so that one person draws a larger number of people because of their place in the kingdom or place in the community. And so and we're talking about independent churches now, um, right. big independent churches. And so... But then also then when they have problems, that person has problems, whether it's a power problem or a personal problem, um, then that's very exposed and a lot of people are affected. Right. So, but then even if you think in liturgical churches, that's happening, um, but they don't, like there's even more system in how people come to power there. And there seems probably a lot more politics in how... Right, it could Certain be, people yeah. come into power being bishops or whatever within their denomination. So the power piece is a struggle because yeah. once somebody becomes power hungry or at least perceived to be power hungry, then there's really it's hard for the people to trust yeah. because they don't believe that that person is really for them and wants the best for the people. I mean... That's exactly where we are in the political situation and have been for hundreds of years, for a by long the way. Time. This is not the, yeah, the, and on the political other side, situation isn't new. But anyway, if you're running a ten person church, nobody outside the church even knows you exist. So you don't draw Probably. the attention of the comp- neither the <laughs> big big accolades or the complaints. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of the they talk about you just don't want to be the tallest blade of grass or you know, whatever. You, you still gets mowed. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if you're down short yeah, whatever. And you just don't notice. So yeah, there's that. You you become the more visible you are, both the more impact you can have. And that's positive or negative, you know, in that, that kind of a sense. So you know, part of it is let's talk about uh the various needs of the different those different faces or the facings of the church. Mm-hmm. So like, let's suppose you decide to make a, you you focus on evangelism and it's like, okay, we're going to reach out. We're going to reach out. We're going to grow our church through evangelism. At some point, what has to happen with all those people in the church? Do they what? just evangelize? And, you know, there's a point where they have a life and they need some personal ministry. They need to learn some doctrines or truth. They need to learn some ideas. So... Now I need to put them in that forward or rear facing or inner facing things at some level. So in other words, we, it's probably really hard to have an exclusively 
one only church probably is not an one face only. An outward facing. Pick your face. But to have any one face and exclusively that is probably not a good long-term model. Because I think over time, you're going to need something else with that group of people. Why? Why would you need something else? Well, for instance, as I just said because on the outward, people, yeah, change. people change, right? Yeah. If we bring, you know, and if we've seen this at uh, with churches, it was very focused on evangelism and outreach. Well, at some point, those people got to get discipled. They got to grow up in the faith. The people that come into the, the church people because that come they into, just came into Christ. Right. Is that what you mean? Uh, Correct. You know, if you get a person who doesn't know Christ at all and they get evangelized, it's like, oh, come to our church and they get saved. Then it's like, okay, now you need to actually know some stuff and there needs to be some help on how do you actually understand this life in Christ? Mm -hmm. And that requires some time and some thought and some individual um, time with those people. Mm -hmm. You know, it's and so... You're going to go through that at different points and different times. Where we're at right now, we're spending a lot of time working through theology. And at some point, we're going to be at a place where a lot of people are going to try to say, we need to reach. And there is some outreach happening in certain ways, for sure. Um, in fact, there's some very subtle things that are going on that are outreach-oriented, but they're more subtle. They're not traditional, as most people would see them. But that does has to happen. There's a pressure as you, because if you just go, oh, look, we're smarter and smarter every week and we know more and more. It's like if that's not overflowing to other people, then we become spiritually constipated. You know, I really hate that analogy, but I understand <laughs> what you mean. Uh, I, hmm. So that's an interesting perspective that you mm -hmm. think we are really what's happening in our church right now is all about theology. I, well, I, that's a I very, don't. no, no, there's a very, <laughs> that's a very simplified, oversimplified, but we're, we're focusing on actually really knowing. So when I say theology, that's not a dry, um, head just a bunch of discussion. words and head knowledge. It's, I think, no, we're really growing in knowing who God is. So I think I take theology can be a very positive term and I'm using that as the umbrella of, hey, we're really knowing more about God because theology is the study of God. Mm -hmm. So if I am studying God, hopefully I am knowing God. And that's where we're at. Is well, we're, the Pharisees studied God and they didn't know God. They did. That's true. So there, you, you can... I'm going to put the positive spin on it for what we're doing because I you. think we are. I think you should. Yes, I Especially definitely. Since a lot of our listeners go to that's our church. That's right. Hi, Larry. We're not complaining. <laughs> I'm, I'm not complaining. I'm, I'm not at all. Definitely not. Yeah, I feel like what is happening. Exactly no. what you're trying to say. Yeah. I'll just restate it, if I may. Yes. The 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 study and the discussions and digging into word studies and context and different interpretations and such is bringing me personally mm -hmm. into deeper understanding of God in my life, mm -hmm. God uh, in my very core, my being, not just how do I think about God, but how do I experience God? How am I with God? What does union with God look and feel like? How does it present itself as I live my life 
with my family, with my neighbors, with my coworkers? Am I living my true self the way that God mm-hmm. created me? We're in a big image bearer uh, chapter, I guess. Yeah. Um, you know, how does my being an image bearer of God, you know, is that happen? Do I feel like I am an image bearer and how is that being manifested? So, you know, it, it, we have different verbiage. I'm not saying your verbiage is wrong. I'm just saying it. It might not communicate what. what well, <laughs> you right. Well, for let me put you, it in a, theology yeah. is yeah. a lot of thought. You like to think, and yeah. you like your brain to grow, and it is a more intellectual. At least on the onset, you you're very stimulated by intellectual um, discussions and studying. You know, well, what does this word really mean? Or in the context of things, you know, mm-hmm. like when you're studying every morning, when you're, you know, in the word, you're not just reading uh, my daily bread. You've got the Greek interlinear out on the table and you've got your phone next to you so that when you see a word and you read yeah. it in the Greek, you look at it, right. you know, on your phone, you look it up. You're like, oh, what does, you know, what it does this word really mean? And you are growing through that intellectual stimulation that's what that's part of what makes you tick yeah. that's what how you experience god is through your mind right and that's but that's also good theology so i would argue where you said the, the pharisees had theology they had mad theology they, uh, i was they, just arguing the yeah, point that if right. you have theology you know god Oh, definitely not. We, we hadn't brought in you may the have good, good and the bad in, at that you may point. have bad theology. <laughs> right. So you have a misunderstanding of who God is, and I think that's the fundamentals of where the Pharisees were at, and Sadducees even more so. So so let's see if I can recover from this and kind of put this in a better way. So I think as we grow and get a really great understanding of who God is and who we are in God, so that's inward focus or that inward facing at some level. Mm-hmm. With each other. Yeah, because we're out talking together and we're working it as a group and we're, we're spending time doing some of that stuff as a group. I think it is just natural that that will overflow to outward facing at some point or more and more of that we will have an impact outwardly it doesn't necessarily mean the church becomes an outward facing church Mm -hmm. but we will have outward facing by nature that aspect will grow right because because you have something to say because god is a sharer yeah that's the whole point of humanity right god is sharing his self because he is so magnanimous yes because he is so glorious because his love is so all-encompassing he Mm -hmm. is all-encompassing yes as love so as we embrace that Mm -hmm. let that be more and more excuse me solid of who we are the more that that is happening you cannot help right but bubble it up out it's springs of living water that are coming out and 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 it it will affect the people that we are with we can't we won't be able to help ourselves we aren't able to help ourselves (laughs) yeah so this is probably okay so this brings and i 100 percent agree i think that is the key thing if we know god and if we know ourselves as a result of that, yeah, we, we can't help but tell some other people about that. 
because it's that significant. And, and by tell, there's a lot of ways tell to tell. Means, yeah. It could be with words. It could be with lifestyle. It could be with acts of service. Right. So I'm just clarifying that yes. tell is not just a one-way street here. If we want to quote the St. Francis thing that he never actually said, you know, use to speak to teach to preach the gospel at all. St. Francis actually never said this. Somebody said somewhere. Somebody said it. So uh, preach the gospel at all times if necessary, use words. Now I think actually St. Francis was a great preacher and he actually used words a lot. But our go-to isn't necessarily words. Our go-to is we need to bring the life of Christ to other people, mm-hmm. just in loving people. And the words will show up at Christ the appropriate did both. time. He did both. Christ did both. He did yep. teaching and he did ministry. He did yeah. lifing. Lifing. He lifed it, people. That, that's my new word. Lifing. I'm going to do some lifing. All right. Trademark by Becky. Okay. <laughs> Maybe we'll have that as a new thing. Learn lifing. All right. <clears throat> so where do we not? I'm going to go the other way now. Okay. How is it when we don't do well, what happens between all those faces? Like when we try to force outward facing when we haven't resolved who we are, what does that look like? A train wreck. (laughs) 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 Right? Because, and sometimes that's where, and it's a, you know, there's different things at different times, right? Jesus sent out the 72, and they didn't know much. But he said, here, you have ability to cast out demons, do all this stuff. And they were not highly trained, but it was like, go try this stuff. Now, granted, what they were trying was really cool. They were casting out demons, healing people, and doing all this stuff. So by the time they got back, they're like, wow, we want to learn more about this stuff. This is amazing. This is really good. And so sometimes there's a place of sending people (laughs) relatively unprepared, but they were equipped. That's the thing. They were very equipped. And sometimes we need to make sure people are prepared or equipped in some kind of a manner so that they don't just fail. So Jesus obviously equipped them so they did not fail. But then they were motivated to grow and learn more once they got to see what happened. So maybe actually they came back to Jesus and were like, wow, this really works. This is amazing stuff. Okay. So what's a modern day example of that for you? What are you thinking about? Well, we've had church. Like I know when I was about or so we're going to a negative example. Many. Well, I thought that's, yeah, we were kind of on negative stuff. Let's be negative. Okay. My favorite. (laughs) Well, I was just, I think sometimes we can learn from negative examples of don't do that. You know, so one is I've seen things where you really try to push hard, hard, hard on a church of everybody's got to go evangelize. Well, everybody's not in the place where they're ready to share and they their heart's not there and they're not feeling it. And I need to say, hey, I want to help you to know who you are. I want to help you get to the place where you have something of value to share. And I think that's the more important is to make sure people know God before they try to make him known. I mean, because it doesn't make sense to try to make God known if you don't know him. What if you only know him a little bit? Then you get to share him a bit. Will you crash and burn? It depends. It depends. If you're trying to shove thump something that you just don't have and don't uh, can't do, then yes. But so, if you have something, I think God will help you. If, if you have an honest, all right, I'm going to do this. 
I mean, people, amazing stuff has happened from people doing even dumb stuff or not even doing it well. Great stuff has resulted because God is there. And that we have to always remember that. And all the things, God's still around and he wants good things to happen. So he may help fix those things or the problematic things that we do. And we may make mistakes even afterward, like after the 72 got sent out and after all the disciples were all doing all this awesome stuff, what's the first thing the disciples started doing? They started discussing which among them is the greatest. So they were comparing their results and going, you know, who's going to be number one? It's me. I did the, I healed the most, or I did the most demons cast out or whatever it was. And they started comparing themselves, you know? So it's like, and I think that's part of life is we're going to do great stuff and we're going to do stupid stuff. And it's all going to kind of get mixed together. And the question is, are we going to grow? And Jesus does rebuke this. He's like, dudes, what are you, what are you doing here? He actually he said, here's a child. Yeah. That's the greatest one. So yeah. y'all aren't even in the camp. Sorry, you've missed the boat. You're not a child anymore. <laughs> yeah. That's not what he said. But that's yeah, I was going to say it doesn't seem like an accurate representation of that <laughs> verse. But that's how I would have said it. <laughs> <laughs> that's according to the Becky Harsh version, the BHV. I don't know, the Becky Hewitt version. So anyway, anyway, let's see here. We beat enough horses here. What do we? What else do we have? Because about church, is church a good thing? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me, my introverted wife. Yeah, I mean, mm. it, church is. Um, and when we say church, we mean the I organization mean, and the getting together i think i don't mean that so that's why okay. this is a little bit so tell tricky me. for me today I, I think church is the gathering of people mm-hmm. i mean even the word church can be so triggering to some um because of places where because spiritual trust is the deepest trust mm-hmm. you can have mm-hmm. and so if you've had any experience in church for any length of time, really, where you trusted people that were supposed to be spiritually minded, mm-hmm. God-led, Holy Spirit-filled people, and then they disappointed you, or God forbid, even harmed you, mm-hmm. that trust is really hard to recover. Right. And we've been through and that. So, yeah, that's, I'm definitely talking out yeah. of experience here. So, um, but who hasn't? If anybody's been in the church for longer than a month, you've mm-hmm. this, this is the nature. It's so amazing to me that God says, this is a good idea. Christians gathering together and trying to trust each other with spiritual stuff is a good idea. <laughs> because... It's always hard. Mm-hmm. There's always some hardness that, or some hard, something that makes us hard, or the potential to make yeah. us hard. And I, you know, he knows that. And the, um, we have examples of people in our lives where 
the hard thing drove them away, Mm -hmm. either for a time or forever, from meeting with other Christians and being, um, a putting themselves in the vulnerable spot of coming into a Christian community for encouragement and truth and love, or it they went away for a time Mm -hmm. and then came back into. Uh, either the same or a different community to try after some healing, you know, to happen or stuck with it and let all the ugly come out so that the healing could happen in real time instead of away, you know, and again, that's just, that's just people being people. And I think there is, um, there is a depth of relationship between ourselves with like me, me and myself and me and God when I do admit the disappointment and the hurt and the harm mm-hmm. and process through that and grieve through that and then start trusting God again, because that's the hard thing. That's the hardest thing is that we say, if those people have been hurtful to mm-hmm. me, then I don't want anything to do with God. <laughs> right. And that is, is so like, not what happened. That's yeah. not fair to God. It's not God. That's the one that harmed you. Although right. he definitely they is do it in, in the name people. of God. Allegedly. I've hurt people yeah. mm-hmm. and I have God in me so I can see it's not a huge leap, but really what you're trying to do when, as you live, if you are interested in developing your spiritual life, you're trying to get to know your God in within you and God without you, God in, in other mm-hmm. people and God in, in your, um, innermost being, I guess. So it's, it's, it's it takes courage. It takes a huge amount of courage and bravery to be in a, a place where you've been hurt or disappointed mm-hmm. and to continue to seek after God, whatever that looks like, whatever kind of community, inward facing, outward facing, frontward facing, backward facing, or all of the, I mean, through your life, you're probably going to experience all of those kinds of communities mm-hmm. at some point. But I tell you what, humans are very courageous. And if you let yourself process and heal and grieve and move through the phases that your psyche wants to move through, because we do want to trust. Mm -hmm. Trust is an innate characteristic of a human. They want to trust. We want to be able to connect with and be with the eternal And that eternal is in human beings. Mm -hmm. We want to connect with each other. So um, it's, there's seasons, there's seasons Mm. to be. And sometimes some of those seasons are very thriving. Sometimes those seasons are a little less thriving and maybe even seem a little dull, but then that's perseverance. There are seasons when you have either hurt somebody or been hurt by somebody and you need to back away and heal. There's seasons for fighting, mm-hmm. you know, but all of those are part of the human experience to, to, to know and be known, Yeah, to use the things that we have in ourselves, our mind and our spirits and our souls and our emotions and our passions 
If you aren't experiencing those, if you aren't tapping into your courage center to to be able to go out and pursue yet again and again mm-hmm. and again and again. Like sometimes it's a minute by minute thing. Yeah. Okay, I don't understand this. I'm confused about something or I'm hurt by some person or I'm exhilarated and don't know where to take that, you know? Every single minute, every single day, you get an mm-hmm. opportunity to tap into to courage, yeah. the way that you've been made in the image of God, to do what it takes to keep going yeah. and to find places to connect to other people in whatever that looks like. I believe that every person has God in them. And, and there's a way to find God in those people. I don't do that well every time. Sometimes mm-hmm. when I'm with somebody, I get very distracted by all of the fences and all of the mirrors and stuff. all of the smoke that people present trying to pretend like they know that themselves. I get distracted and frustrated with that. And I sometimes mm-hmm. shut off and say, no, I don't want to continue to try to find God in you. But... Sometimes I do. And sometimes I can see past all of that stuff. And this is what grace is. When you can see past all of that stuff and get to the core of a person where they're being made, where they are, not being made, where they are bearing God's image. Mm -hmm. That is in every person. And if you can connect person to person image bearer to image bearer there is almost nothing else as satisfying as that Mm -hmm. because that's you living in perichoresis that's you living in relationship and intimacy with god when you do that with another person Mm -hmm. that's good you know i think talking about your the beginning of this it's Sometimes it feels like God handed out chainsaws to toddlers. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Just like, what the heck? Mm-hmm. These people have this power and it's like, but they, you know, and that's part of us growing up. It's, you know, we're not, we're not toddlers. We're men and women of God that he is called to do something awesome. Mm-hmm. But we have amazing tools and powers and sometimes we don't do them well but sometimes we blame the damage on god not on the fact that we have some immaturity in our lives you know mm-hmm. and that's hard it's a hard thing to learn to uh well put the blame appropriately but not even hang on to the blame to be honest mm-hmm. you know i i remember even as a kid my high school youth group my past my uh youth group leaders got divorced when I was in high school. And that was kind of like, wow. It impacted you. It impacted me. It disappointed you. But I felt like God said, that's their deal. This isn't about me. It's about them. Because it could have easily just kind of gone off and said, oh, see, Christianity, these guys failed or did whatever. You know, blah, blah, blah. Pick your thing and I need to walk away from God. And it's like, they had their issues, whatever it was. And that was their deal. But I can still trust that God is faithful in spite of the fact that my leaders got divorced. And if we can always come back to, like you said, always come back and listen to God, 
understand he is there. He is faithful. People are not always faithful. And people will do damage. And, and we keep alluding to things that have happened to us. And to be honest, we'll probably never say anything about it because it involves people. Mm-hmm. And we're not going to give names and dates and stuff like that because, you know, forgiveness is out uh, there. Um, and so to rehash the narrative again, um, I think, is accusatory and potentially harmful. And so... Uh, we're not going to go through it. We're not going to tell you the details of, oh, this happened to me, and I can't tell you how bad it was. And, you know, we can tell you stuff like, hey, not we had public. some... Right. That's a personal thing. That's maybe in the person. people that know about it need to yeah. know about it. Right. So, and that's just something we just have to say, okay, yeah, you know what? Some bad stuff happened in our lives. Um, some pretty destructive things. But it's like, and it was rough, but God was faithful. We kind of hung on by a thread at some points, um, but we did hang on to that thread. Okay, what is, I, so, I'm going to interrupt you a second. Yeah. God was faithful. What was God faithful to do? Be specific. What does that mean? God is always, here's the thing, I guess. And that's a good question. Boy, we could go on that a long time. God is always there loving. He hasn't abandoned us. He is available to us. And what happens is sometimes in our wounding, we kind of turn away from God and we want to feel certain things that may not be available to feel at that moment. But actually even some of that hard stuff we went through, I had to learn to lean on God in a different way. That was, I don't necessarily get to feel what I want to feel, but I'm, I'm trying to not go into any details whatsoever on stuff that happened. That's the problem with this kind of thing here is to make vague blah, blah, blahs. No, you're but, doing fine. Keep going with what you're saying, because God is faithful is a word that is, it is. a phrase that is used so much. And yeah. I feel like we get deaf ears to that. Well, right. what does that really mean? I think it means really How's that God is faithful. Okay. So I'm going to say part of the problem is as we went through the wounding, that impacted your and my relationship with each other. Absolutely. Significantly. It did. We didn't we almost didn't make it. Our marriage and, almost didn't make it. Right. Because that was so damaging of what happened. Um, but part of what I had to learn in there was to somehow lean and say, there's things I can't fix in this relationship right now, regardless. And I'm going to have to focus. My heart is to say, God, I need you. And that's actually a, probably a proper attitude is, I mean, we should always look to God first and our spouse second. Boy, that's a whole long discussion <laughs> without going into this. But it was kind of a, God, I need to look at you to really meet all my needs right now. I can't count on my wife because of this trauma that we're going through. Yeah, because I shut myself off from him. And it's like, okay, I have to be relating to you. And then somehow dancing and having a marriage at the same time that was kind of a mess. Um, It was a train wreck. It was. But it did force me to say I had to look at God. Now, the faithful part is I did learn some things and get some things from God out of that that were quite meaningful and of great value of getting to know him. And it was kind of learning to say, all right, I just have to abandon everything and just say, God, I'm going to trust you and do whatever you say. Cause 
um, well, in fact, here's what actually came up with this saying. It's like, God, I'm going to have to do whatever you say in this relationship because I'm screwed regardless. (laughs) She's so mad at me and this is such a mess that I can't say the right thing. So I'm just going to do whatever you say to do and just count that you're going to deal with this somehow or another. Mm -hmm. And so it put me in probably a different relationship and emphasis with God through that period where I did have to lean more into that relationship rather than lean with you or on you. I mean, it's, I'm trying to even think of how the, how all that works out right now, but it was, uh, I guess the thing we can say when we say God is faithful, that does sound kind of flaky, but it's the reality is he said he'll never leave us or forsake us. That doesn't mean I don't go down a hard path, but it means if I do lean on him and stick there, he will communicate and let me know uh, that he is there mm-hmm. and that we are together in this. Mm-hmm. And I did get a lot of that out of that. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes you have to learn the presence of God in a lonely place away Mm -hmm. from other people. Mm -hmm. So maybe that's part of that. So, yeah, I mean, I guess saying God is faithful does sound a little... Uh, It's it's true. It's true. It's a true statement. But but it sounds trite. Right. I I hope people are... If if that phrase comes into your mind, I hope you don't just let the phrase come into your mind and then move forward. I hope you take five minutes and think, okay, what does that actually mean? God is faithful. What is faithfulness? How is God being faithful? How can I trust God in that faithfulness? What does that look like to me right now? Is that just a feeling that comes over me? Is that direction about what, what, what my next step is? Is it truth that comes into my mind that this situation really is going to work itself out? What is God is yeah. faithful actually mean? That's all I'm asking. Yeah. And I think maybe part of that too is think God is, on it for a few minutes. Yeah. Is he is always there. He said, I will never leave you or forsake you. And so what that actually means in reality is I can go through hard crap, terrible, terrible situations. I may not go through stuff that's happy times, but he is still there with me. And if I push into it or really pay attention, I will know his presence. And I can even throw a hissy fit and whine and scream and walk away. And he's still there. All I got to do is turn around and say, hey, you still there. He's there. I can abandon God. And he's still there. Mm-hmm. I'm just sticking my fingers in my ear going, nah, 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 I can't hear you, can't hear you. you know. Mm-hmm. And he's still there. And so the point of him being faithful is if you turn around or pay attention or just listen, you will hear him and he will be there in the need. It doesn't mean your need gets immediately fixed. This took us like four years to really get pretty healthy again. Oh. To at least be talking, have any trust to be, again. To not have it be traumatic. To, <laughs> right. has, to not have be triggered on a regular basis. It was probably about four years. But I, I speak from my own experience. I did get to have some deep times with God in that. Mm-hmm. And learn to relate to him in a different way. 
So and the reason you're talking about this is because it was because of a church situation. It was a bad that church situation a, that my they, life specifically, yep. and I got so hurt by it. Yep. That it that tumbled into our marriage. I just mm-hmm. had a cool picture though. Okay. You just were talking about God ministering to you, and I mm-hmm. just got back. I got that picture again that you had at the beginning here, of the forward facing. The rear facing, the mm-hmm. inward, the outward, but but that's God. Yes. God is for we can forward face God and ask Him for direction and truth. We can see Him as you know in the rear facing of mm-hmm. Him being behind us and ministering to us and mm-hmm. bringing um, uh, the balm of Gilead mm-hmm. to our soul and and bringing healing. Mm-hmm. He's inward facing. He wants us to hear from each other and hear how to minister to each other as a group, as a community, perichoresis. And then he's outward facing. Mm-hmm. He's, he, he's a sharer. He yeah. wants to, to bring more in right. to, the, to the fold. He wants everybody to hear and know how to trust him. So the church is just a picture of him. Yeah. Way to wrap that up. It, it came into my mind while you were talking. So. See? That's way to cool. have synergy. See, I got something in my mind to get here, and you got something in your mind to get us out of here. <laughs> so, awesome. Hopefully, you guys have some things to chew on here a little bit. Yeah, and if you're going through we some do. rough stuff, it sounds trite, but just find every way you can to lean on God in the hard situation. Mm-hmm. If you need some help, call us a call. Mm-hmm. Write us. We'll be glad to talk. So right. email us at podcast at grace.world. Call us at seven. Nope, that's not it. 833-85-GRACE. And always be happy to have you come by our website, grace.world. Push the little subscribe thing. Yeah. So, yeah. But we're glad to be a part of this and to share with you. And we let us know how it's effective in your life and what your experiences are with the inward and outward are you an in ear or an outie? I'm inside, outside, up, right, down. I'm happy all the time. Do you remember that song from Sunday School? I'm in right, out, right, up, right, down, right, happy all the time. I haven't heard Since that Jesus one. Jesus let me in Wait, oh. and covered all my sin. I'm in right, up, right, up, right, down, right, happy all the time. You, When we were kids, we would sing it, and you'd have to was... jump up in the seat and jump down your seat and then move over to the side or whatever. Hey, guys, hope you got a giggle out of that. We love you. Have a great week. All right. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Bye.